a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. I'm joined in studio by one of my favorite people here at KSL. Oh, and you're one of mine. Mary Richards. Uh, Mary Richards and I. So can I tell you something? You know on Facebook they have the Remember When. Oh, right. Uh, and it'll show you like things that happened on exactly this day, yeah. X number of years ago. Uh, it will. I just this morning pulled that up, and I love seeing. I love it. I yeah. love. Well, it's a great way to remember stuff. <laughs> I pulled it up. I clicked on. Uh, I don't know if it's called like way back or remember when, but I clicked on it, and it was five years today, five years ago today, yeah. uh, that I uh, produced the last Doug Wright show. <gasps> really? Uh, you know, he certainly continued on the air for some time after yeah. that, but but, uh, but but my position as producer for him ended five years ago today. Wow. And then uh, I did stay here at KSL for a little while longer as a, a reporter. Right. But uh, but yeah, the last the last time uh, Doug Wright and I did a show today. together it was five years ago today. There is an asterisk though. There's one little caveat. Yes. We did. Uh, it was five years ago today that we did the last show together here in studio. Oh. There was one more show produced uh, where he and I worked together, and it was if you remember uh, Honor Flight when KSL first yes. started its relationship with yes. Honor Flight, and you went. And, and they put together a whole flight, and we went out there. That was uh, Doug amazing. And I, did that program I still remember that. I think that's popped up sometimes on my memories because of um, I, I did a follow up story with a, a group, a couple of guys that had been on that flight yeah. and their friendship since then. So, ah, oh Lee, let's walk down memory lane. I got one more. For, I got. I got. A, here's an honor flight memory for you, and then we'll get to the reason we brought okay, you in here. Sure, sure. Their uh, honor flight is, is a wonderful thing. It brings. Uh, Veterans uh, of World War II, and I and I know now they're expanding beyond that. Yes. But World War II veterans, uh, when I traveled with them to to Washington D.C. to see their memorial, uh, there was when we were there a requirement that when the veterans were moving around from place to place, they did so in a wheelchair. Right, uh, and you know, that makes sense for safety concerns, and there Falls. are some long distances. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there was one gentleman didn't like it who said. Yeah, I'm good. I got. I have two fine legs. I'm a walk. I fought in a world war. <laughs> Listen, son. I don't need your chair. And uh, and they said, well, we're we're gonna line up for a picture. We we, we could you please, sir? And uh, he says, I'll I'll bring my wheelchair to the picture. Sure. He folds it up, grabs the handle, holds it over his shoulder, nice. and 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 puts himself at the end of the line. So the the rest of the folks they did They're they, they followed instructions, sat down. But he uh, a proud uh, of his own strength and the strength of his two legs. Uh, stood, 
held the wheelchair over his shoulder, and that's how the picture was taken. Jeez. He was my favorite guy. He and I got some dinner. He told me some. Uh, he told me some yeah. shore leave stories. Some great stories. Probably <laughs> yeah. that is a firecracker of a man right there. You, uh, I'm a fan of yours on Instagram. Oh yeah, I've been following you on Instagram uh, recently, and uh, you have been on assignment for KSL. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I went to Haiti this past weekend, Labor Day weekend, for four days. Um, it was the dedication of their first temple in that country, in Port-au-Prince, Temple for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was dedicated on Sunday. And uh, I got there, um, it's a blur, Friday morning, I think, at like 7 a.m. we landed or longer or something and hit the ground running. Uh, I partnered with uh, our good folks over at the Church News, Deseret News. Uh, so also, this is a little plug to go read their coverage as well. Jason Swenson's photographs and articles were fantastic from that experience. We spent the whole weekend, I mean, I don't, I don't even remember some downtime. I think we spent the whole weekend just telling stories from that nation. It was almost 10 years ago they had that devastating earthquake in January 2010, and they're still recovering from it in many ways. So we went and met members in their homes, church members, and and talked to them about their feelings that day. Everybody remembers that day, uh, what's been happening since, and we wanted to find out what does this temple mean for you personally and for the country. And we, we were able to meet the most fantastic people, such friendly people, full of faith. They're welcoming me into their home where I'm going past a gate and down a dirt kind of courtyard and around a corner. And I tweeted and also Instagrammed some pictures of some uh, steps made out of tires mm-hmm. filled with concrete, kind of in a hillside that I started to question my career choices going <laughs> down those steps, praying for safety. I wouldn't fall on my face. They welcomed us to their homes, which were often one or two rooms with a, with a maybe a curtain for a door. So, so kind and so friendly and and told us their stories. And then Saturday, uh, was able to attend the uh, youth devotional with Elder David A. Bednar and his wonderful wife, Susan Bednar, where the youth of Haiti uh, in the church were gathered. Some of them waited for hours, so reverently, so quietly in this chapel for him to come and speak to them and hold a QA and a just for them, the youth, uh, ages 12 and up. Sister Bednar bore her testimony in French, and I think I about oh, cried. Wow. It was beautiful. They loved it because they speak a kind of a French, but also some Haitian Creole. Yeah. And so they had this uh, amazing translator that helped out. But then when she bore her testimony in French, that was a really sweet moment. Uh, Sunday was the dedication of the temple. That was a busy day. We were there uh, all day, off, uh, back and forth uh, for the three dedicatory sessions. And I was able to sit down and interview Elder Bednar about the blessings of a temple uh, not just for you know all of us uh, church members, but also specifically for that country and what it means for them. So overall, a whirlwind, crazy experience. Tried to get back Monday through the hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> made it back late into like early morning Tuesday morning, and and now what? I don't even know what day it is. Utah. <laughs> it's towards the end of the week. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we're creeping up on the weekend. Utah has a, a special relationship with Haiti. If I remember those ten years ago. Uh, we, there were a lot of folks that, uh, uh, stepped up. I I remember headlines of individuals, uh, funding, uh, entire flights full of, uh, aid packages. And you said that they are still in a state of recovery down there. In some some ways. Right. What, uh, did that come up at all? What are folks' attitudes towards Utah down there? Yeah, it's so friendly. You know, we say where we were from and they were, you know, they loved that. There's a, there's a lot of connections between our state and that country in terms of aid and relief and, and building orphanages and building uh, care centers. There's Project Arise, uh, Hope for Humanity in Haiti, founded by some Utahns and some former Haitians now live in Utah. There's the Haitian Utah Chamber of Commerce and they uh, work a lot together. I flew 
in January 2010 with the Utah um, Air Reservist and Air National Guard from from Utah on a C-17 cargo plane full of supplies to Haiti. And, uh, and they did some rebuilding. And over the years, the Deseret News has gone back, I think, about five years ago and followed up on some welfare projects. And so there's this kind of constant connection back and forth between the two countries in helping them. And this is the interesting point. And, and this is something I'm going to bring up because all of my experience over the weekend, I'm going to be producing an hour-long uh, general conference special to air on Sunday, October 6th at 1 p.m. A little plug to listen in between general conference sessions for that. This was the point that many of them wanted to make. They said, we feel like the world has forgotten about Haiti, but this new temple shows that the Lord has not forgotten about us. More than anything, more than your money or your, you know, whatever supplies you send. And often people send the weirdest things like stuffed animals and just random, (laughs) random clothes, coats. Nobody needs a coat in Haiti. People send the weirdest things. (laughs) And they said, more than any of that, we needed to know that the Lord was aware of us through this that he was here with us uh, through this temple and the blessings it would bring spiritually to those who have that faith and that testimony uh, being members of the church, but also economically. So many, I mean, I'm going to be telling stories of of the people who, who helped build the temple because temples are such high quality building that it's lifting the architecture and the building structure and code for that country to have this incredibly built, solid, beautiful structure that's unlike anything in Port-au-Prince. It's lifting their um, job skills. Those who worked on the project have now started their own businesses because they have this higher level of skill. Wow. And it just shows, this one woman told me, it shows that something beautiful can be built in Haiti. Don't just come down and slap together some school and say, look what we did, you know, and it's crumbling the next day. Build something solid and beautiful and with a purpose. As I followed the postings that you made uh, on Instagram, also the videos you posted, this may sound funny and it's hard to, I think, perceive via, you know, imagery like that. But I almost, I felt that there was a sense of pride held by the the folks with whom you were interacting. And, uh, and I wonder, what did you, what did you glean interacting with them? Yeah. Proud of their homes, proud of their appearance, proud of their, their, their country. Yes, definitely. So much. They're so photogenic. You know, we'd take pictures and immediately wanted to, to show their best selves and everybody dressed, you know, the best clothes they had. So for these events that we were at, uh, welcoming me into their home or if it was, the devotional or the dedication showing, you know, wanting to make sure they showed their best self and and their face to the world because they were so proud of Haiti. And the, the song they sang at the dedication uh, has been in my mind for been ringing through my head for like four days about the dawning of a brighter day rises majestic on Haiti. That's how they sang it. Outstanding. Case Hillens Radio is Mary Richards. I am very grateful to you for sharing this with us. Uh, I I look forward to hearing your special in October. Uh, I am very grateful to you for having shared your travels with us via Instagram and other postings. Uh, You're a treat. And it's been a joy to to chat with you here on on these airwaves again. And uh, and thanks to the the, the bosses, certainly, for for letting us uh, uh, take a little detour and talk about your world travers. Yes, for sure. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Mary. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about uh, an issue we, we, we first learned about yesterday. Uh, a Brigham Young University professor, he's got it figured out how to predict fires. He's going to come uh, tell us all about uh, that science and how it could benefit us. And as we hear headline after headline over the past few days of uh, fire season, really in gear here in Utah, uh, his discoveries and his findings may be able to help us uh, in, in being a little safer. 
Uh, I'm Lee Lonsberry. We'll be back after the news here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.